Okay, welcome back to 154's forum. Uh, this was, is our final artist talk of the day, and it's between uh, Not Vital and uh, our, our artistic director here, Koyo Kuo. Um, I'll first give an introduction to uh, Not Vital. Not Vital divides his time between the USA, Nigeria, Italy, and China, as well as Switzerland, although uh, rarely spending more than a few months in a single place. Uh, Vital frequently visits certain locations, developing projects and work there. Uh, in the city of uh, Agadez in uh, Niger, Africa, uh, also in another location, Vital has focused on a great deal of uh, focused a great deal of energy since 2001. Um, although Vital spent many years working from New York in his studio base, um, he currently and primarily works in Sent and Beijing. He has invested the last five years developing an island in Patagonia, Chile, um, into a studio. Uh, carving out internal spaces from the rock formations to create an extraordinary environment. Solo exhibitions in 2013 include Not Vital, uh, Landscapes at uh, Ben Brown Fine Arts in Hong Kong, China, um, and uh, 700 sto Snowballs in Venice, Italy. Um, and in 2012, Not Vital's um, sp uh, Sperone West Water in New York um, and Let 100 Flowers Bloom at the Kunstrum uh, Dorburn in, in, in Dorburn, Austria. Uh, and then I have uh, Koyo Kyo, uh, who needs no introduction because I'm sure you you attended the last talk with Carsten Holler and uh, and and uh, you know uh, Oliver Eliasson. So thank you. Thank you so much, Jose. Uh, welcome, Not. It's a truly deep pleasure for me to uh, have this conversation with you and uh, give. Uh, the audience the opportunity to get to know more of your work in Africa. I really have to say that I've been fascinated with Nod's work since a few years and uh, I was uh, interested to know what is this artist who is so obsessed by Africa particularly and uh, uh, works there regularly and <coughs> produce these uh, also absolutely striking uh, sculptures, social sculptures, I, I must say. And uh, in doing so, I mean, my interest, uh, of course, started uh, through the art. And then I, I found out, actually, that we are compatriots. And, uh, and I met, I went to, I had the pleasure this summer to, uh, to visit Not in Saint which I actually encourage each and every one of you to do so, if you can, because uh, when you visit him in, uh, in the Unterengadin, in the, how do you say it? In Saint, in the other parts of the Alps, in, the, in, uh, in Switzerland, and you have the privilege to have a tour of his, uh, of his sculpture park, then you really understand the, the scope and, uh, and the energy behind, uh, behind this work. Um, I will let you now uh, talk to us about, about that work and about the projects that you're doing. And uh, it's not only on, in Africa, because Nod's project is to build, he says a house, but they are not houses, they are not common houses. Uh, on every continent. So, uh, and he started in Africa a few, a few, uh, a few years ago. And uh, yeah, please tell Take us care. everything. Yeah, yeah. I was born with this name, Not Vital, and it only occurred to me much later that it was kind of a strange name when <laughs> I went to to America. Uh, people would call me Not Vital. Right, so uh, and I was not out of function, right? But uh, so, uh, and then I, I uh, my great grandfather's name was also Not Vital, and his brother was also Not Vital. They didn't have no middle name, so they had two brothers with the same name. It's like having, I don't know, uh, seven kids, and they're all called John or or Anna, whatever. Anyway, uh, Not is. Uh, common Romansh name, it's, uh, and Romansh is spoken in the eastern part of Switzerland uh, by less than 40,000 people with five dialects. And uh, Romansh is, um, 
based on in on Latin. It's actually vulgar Latin, but like uh, I don't want to talk about languages here. Uh, I would like to share with you and with Koyo uh, a great passion of mine, which I had since I'm very young. I grew up in this Engadin Valley. Maybe you know it. It's famous for its beauty, uh, and I went to school in this small town of Saint, uh, and school consisted of five months vacation, which was of course a dream for a child, but like you also had to come up with something interesting to do. And so my friends and uh, I, we, our main occupation was actually going into the woods and building huts, tree houses with materials that we found and often just stole in the village. Uh, and these constructions, even though in its simplicity, they needed to be very, very, very uh, sophisticated because this area, the Engadin, also has uh, five months of winter. Uh, later on, when I read like Il Barone Rampante by Italo Calvino, Calvino, the Baron in the Trees, it seemed to me I had already done that, right? Been there. Uh, um, but, you know, all this, it was very important, was the passion you built, right? Uh, as grown-ups, you tend to forget that because everything, you might build houses, but uh, you're always kind of like, uh, you can never go back, actually. It's very hard to go back to that very early moment of your life. Uh, everything has, you, you, you might realize dreams, but, uh, but you need permissions, you, meet, you need restrictions, loans, whatever it needs to build something, and they can easily kill a project. Uh, but I was very happy and very lucky, actually, that somehow I could go back to those moments uh, these important moments of my life. And I went straight to a place in Africa, in the Sahara Desert, called Agdes, uh, in Niger. Niger is a very big country. I think it's about twice the size of France, with a population of only 12 million, I think. And uh, I didn't know much about uh, Agdes, but I knew that there were two tribes living there and since I'm, I'm constantly traveling and of course I'm interested and, uh, by nomadic people and, and there are these two tribes, the Tuaregs, the blue people and the Pearl, Bororo. Uh, so uh, I went to, to Agadez which is 1,000 kilometers from Niamey and uh, went straight into this hotel. The only hotel at that time was Hotel de Lair. Uh, so. I, I went there, I, I arrived there late at night. <coughs> in the morning, I, uh, like all Africans, I rose very early in the morning and left the hotel only to walk into a bazaar because the Tuaregs already knew, oh, white man has arrived. Okay, bazaar, let's make some business, right? Uh, so, and what, uh, what they wanted me to sell, when they wanted to sell me was, of course, their silver jewelry, what they're famous for. But it was six o'clock in the morning, and I, I didn't want to buy silver jewelry. But I said, like, uh, don't you have a place to where I could build a house? Because I, I'm, I'm going to live here. Now, uh, it, it, there's a bad problem, no? And they, uh, they led me to the to the southern part of, um, of Agadez, to the southern part of Agadez in, uh, in a place called uh, Dagamanet. There were three men. Uh, one had polio and he was walking on, a, on crutches and he was drawing a crooked line in the sand and I followed him. So we went, they showed me this place and uh, the place was right. They immediately saw uh, that this is what he wants. And so they, uh, they called the owner of the land, a man with broken glasses, and he came and the price was right and we made the deal and by nine o'clock it was done. Uh, in the meantime, I made a small drawing in my notebook how I wanted my house to be, to be built. Uh, 
And uh, then, maybe two hours later, five men arrived uh, with shovels, picks, you know, shiny eyes and white teeth. And, and they said, well, uh, uh, and I showed them my drawing, but they completely ignored it since they don't read and write, whatever. Uh, and so I could throw my drawing away. It was like they were looking at air or something. So uh, I did then, the only thing was like to, uh, to make a model of this house and I made it out of cow dung and sand and showed to them. Um, but they saw, they were astonished to see that this house would have three floors. You know, houses in Agadez have two floors when you build out of mud, but three floors was a little bit too high, right? But they, they, didn't, uh, they didn't complain at all. They never used the word problem, no. They kind of loved this challenge. And, uh, and this house grew very fast, actually. <coughs> I traced the outlines in the sand with my feet. And so this uh, was actually done quite fast. You can see uh, it's the first room, which is 16 by 16 meters, five meters tall. Uh, on top, there is a, a bedroom with four doors on each direction. I like kind of like four doors, you know, like Ferrari Quattro Porti, Lamborghini Quattro Porti. And uh, on top you have like this tower from which uh, you can see the airport. Uh, and also watch the only flight weekly that comes in from Paris. Exciting, right? I mean, so I'm sitting up there looking how the flight comes in and leaves, who comes out of the plane. So. Uh, It has um, nine pillars in the middle. And local people, they come there to rest and, and to pray also, right? Uh, uh, the house is 13 meters in height. I only measured it after the house is finished because there's only one measuring tape in the whole town. Uh, and then next to the house, uh, I uh, added seven rooms that I planned to show off to my friends, you know, when they, when they come to Africa, to the Sahara Desert and so on. Uh, but for years, no one came. <laughs> so um, I used every day, I could use every day a different room to sleep in. Uh, you can see that there are horns all around. And the reason for that is that the slaughterhouse in Agadez is located in the central part of town. Uh, the whole animal is used, but not the horns. So they burn them. And you can just imagine how much that stinks, right? It smells already bad. And like, uh, so I had this kid that goes there every day and collects these horns. He brings them back and puts them all around the house. There are hundreds now, all around the wall. And, uh, and so they call it mechaphony, which is in Tamashek, the language of the Tuaregs. That's the house of horns. Uh, I didn't know at the time that when the house was finished, that the workers would just stay on. Uh, just like, very much like uh, to take care of the house. It was, it's like taking care of a newborn that needs help, that needs, you know, you have to put on the layer after after the, after the, Rain. after the uh, rains and so on. So they just stay there, right? And of course, like, if you stay there, you might have other work, right? You're not out of work. So what I did is like uh, a school. Agadez, since Agadez is the furthest city from Niamey, which is 1,000 kilometers, as, as I said before, and um, Niger is one of the poorest countries in the world, uh, and this land that I bought is in the southern part of, of Agadez, very poor. So like, I don't have to describe to you how the local school looked like. It was simply a hole with children inside, right? So I thought, I have to make a school, right? And I counted the children. And there were so many. I mean, uh, I think there were about 150. And so I needed a big, uh, I needed to make a building which, with a lot of seats, right? 
so I built this one. And the, as you can see, the pupils, the people, they sit on the school. So uh, what is good about this, I think, is that they don't go only to school, but they also go on top of it. Uh, now, since this is on a, uh, on a beautiful place, I mean, it has, it's very airy, it has beautiful views and so on. Over the years, what happened is this. It attracted so many children that now you don't see the school anymore, okay? The school simply disappeared. Uh, it's kind of like a, a kinetic human sculpture that sings, cries, shouts, and, and prays at times. And I must say, it's very touching to see this, to see this daily uh, activity unfold in front, in front of you. The school is called Makaranta. So now you'd be completely wrong to think that I go to Africa as a missionary, you know, and helping children. I, 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 I don't do that. But I also believe that our duty as artists is also to be more involved and, and, pay, and, play, and pay more attention maybe to the third world. I have done that since the 90s. Uh, I did once even a sculpture to pay for a burn unit in uh, Kathmandu, outside of Kathmandu, in Bhaktapur. So, uh, and of course, like, I'm not a trained architect, and it gives me enormous satisfaction to be able to do something, because like in Europe or in, in, in the United States, I could never do that due to all the prescriptions you need for a school and all that, but in Agadez, I, I, I can. And it gives, of course, also uh, great pleasure to the kids, no? Nietzsche, once he said that uh, <laughs> friendship has much more to do with taking than giving. So, uh, so I take, and so, do, and so do the children in Agadez. After this building was finished, uh, the 55 workers, one day I counted, and there were 55, uh, uh, they needed work, of course, and since I love to build, I bought an oasis uh, five kilometers north of Agadez in a place called Alada, next to a river. Uh, it's an ephemeral river. I've never seen any water. It only rains during the rainy season. So in all these years I've been there, I've never seen any, any water. And uh, in these hot summer months, I can't go there. It's when it's like 45 degrees, I can't, I can't handle that. And, and uh, I would burn in the sun. This is one house. Uh, it's, house it's a house to watch the sun. No, sorry. Yeah, it's, no, it's to watch the moon and the skies. And the only way to get up here is through this ladder. Okay? And, it, and it requires kind of concentration and a little bit of courage to go up there because it's very narrow on top. And if you fall, you are really in trouble. So, uh, but I think that uh, it increases somehow uh, the, your concentration to view the skies in a situation like that. I remember like when I lived in New York, uh, I, was, I slept under this one sculpture which only hung on one nail. And somehow I, uh, that increases like the intensity of sleeping. It's a little bit like, uh, let's say, if you are in, in Rio de Janeiro, you have to be more aware where you are, right? I mean, you have to see who's in front of you, but you also have to see who's in the back. And like, so you're kind of like more present in a way, right? Mm -hmm. So that's... Um, when I... Um, when I talk to my friends, in, in, in especially in the United States, that I sit up here for hours every night looking at the lights, at the, at just like at, at the moon and the millions of stars, they just look at me like I'm an idiot. Mm -hmm. uh, now, this is the, a, a house against sandstorms and heat. It's 13 meters. Again, all my houses, for some reason, are 13 meters, or half of it, six and a half meters. So, okay, uh, this is 13, 
it has uh, an entrance, as you can see. It's very narrow, and, uh, and it's very high now. And on top is a small opening as large as a, uh, a big egg where the heat can escape, but it also prevents sand to come into the, build, to come into the building. Because I need this house, even though in the winter time, uh, temperatures can reach during the day 40 degrees, and so I need to go in here. Now, you see all these things sticking out. I mean, it's, it's uh, for two reasons. One, one is uh, you need to attach ladders to climb this, this, this thing, uh, uh, when you need to, put, to apply the skin or the layer of, of uh, mud if after the rains, but also uh, for decorations. For decoration. Every time I go there, I stick something different in these holes. Right? Here you can see brooms sticking up. Uh, it's kind of like if they would clean the air when uh, the wind blows sand with extreme speed through the desert. So everyone who has visited Africa, uh, I, don't have to, I don't have to mention how intense sunsets are. It's so fast. And you can almost hear the sunsets. It's just like so intense. And uh, since I was uh, living in this oasis in par with palm trees and so on, I had to go up in the air to be able to have this frontal view of this daily spectacle. Uh, and uh, so I built this tower, but on four floors. Now, this caused tremendous problems. I mean, uh, the in the entire country of Niger, there is not a house made out of mud on four floors, and maybe in all of West Africa. No? This tall. Right? Uh, and when I explain this to the workers, they start calling me names like, oh, not il a perdu ses chef, meaning, oh, he lost his goats. This time he's gone, right? Uh, and so uh, there were extreme big discussions how this could be built. Uh, and there is no engineer to be consulted. So again, I just made it a, a, a model of it, again in mud. And I showed to them. And work began. Uh, so you see here the tower. Uh, it's, the rooms are very small. They're only three by three by three meters. And in the first floor, downstairs, it's like you only have a door and no windows. That's where the kitchen is and the, and the food. And, so and then you have like a, a door and one window, one door and two windows. And the top has one door and three windows, so you can see in all the directions. Do you have any photographs of the inside? No. No. Okay. I don't want to show the inside. I don't want to show too much, you know, because <laughs> otherwise it's not a myth anymore, right? Uh, I have to keep it for myself. If you want to come, you can, but like, I, I, don't, I don't want to show it too much. So to hold up this tower, uh, I had to build these stairs. So the stairs are holding up, and then they go like, you can only go from, a, from the top floor to the top uh, below by going down the stairs and go up the other ones. So that, uh, that creates uh, privacy, right? And, uh, and of course, you know how tall this building is? 13 meters again. Uh, and the big stairs on the west side uh, is, uh, has 39 steps. Uh, it's made out of 55,000 bricks that were like laid in the sun and, uh, and use them. Uh, when I, I must say, when, when I first spent the night in this town, I couldn't sleep. I didn't sleep at all. If, uh, if the emotions were too, too uh, intense, and if the house would have collapsed a few days later, I would have done this, this, uh, this tower anyway. So I invited some friends, and here is a, 
uh, work by Richard Long, who when sitting on the, on the steps, watching the sun go down with Denise, uh, he presented me with the sculpture of the sun. It's, I think it's his biggest sculpture, isn't it, Richard? It's like uh, 30 meters in diameter, and it's made of uh, concentric circles of sun-dried blades. I only realized uh, the purity of this building after it was done. That means like, there's not one brick that needs to be added or to be, to be removed from it. So in itself, it's kind of pure, right? So, uh, so then uh, that was the moment where I decided that I would like to make, to build one of these towers on every continent. Not unlike the Americans who built uh, uh, military bases on every continent. <laughs> uh, I was searching in North America, like in, in Utah, for places, but like so much has been done there during the 60s and land art and so on. So I went south. I went to this uh, place in Patagonia in Chile and found this island. Uh, the island is extremely beautiful, as you can see here. Uh, and so you cannot build a house on top of it. It's just too beautiful. I mean, I think no architect could build a house for this island. And since I'm not an architect, I can also uh, choose not to build. So what I did here is like I built a tunnel inside the island, 50 meters in length. And here you can see it's still under construction. It's almost finished. Uh, you can see the window leading to the west, where you can see, again, sunsets. So the floor is one slab, one piece of marble, 50 meters in length. Yeah. For Asia, I tried uh, different places in Yangtze and in, in, in Guangxi, in the south of China. Uh, beautiful place, but uh, it was complicated uh, due to, to uh, obtaining the land. And, uh, but I'm happy to tell you that exactly two weeks ago I was in Shanghai. Uh, and last April, the, um, a collector in Shanghai, he gave a dinner for, uh, in honor of YAPA, which is the International Award for Public Art, uh, which was held at the University there in Shanghai, which is organized by Louis Biggs. And uh, from 141 projects worldwide, which were chosen by an international group of curators, uh, the, using like architecture, sculpture, and also like uh, social engagements. Uh, these projects in Africa were uh, nominated and given the award for Africa. And now this collector is happy to give me the land to build the Sunset House. Yeah. Um, this is a house in uh, Flores, in Indonesia. It's a model, as you can see. It's made out of stainless steel, uh, where sunsets will be seen over uh, three volcanoes. And each of these volcanoes has a different lake inside with a different color. Also 13 meters in high, 39 steps, it's always the same thing. Uh, but this time, the stairs go through the wall. That means you can reach the terrace from the outside, but also from the inside. That means like, if I'm not there and the house is closed, the local people can climb up and be up there and watch whatever they want. I mean, the sunset, most probably, right? Another project is in, um, is in New Zealand. It's not started yet. But for Europe, it has been the most difficult place to find a, a, a location, of course, due to complications and uh, administrations and laws and prescriptions and all that. Uh, but it's one place in uh, Sweden, in, near Göteborg. 
and, and also uh, near uh, Kidenon, which is in Scotland, which uh, I haven't been there, but a friend of mine has shown uh, photographs and descriptions, and uh, it looks very promising. Uh, thank you, Andrew O'Hagan. I learned during my projects in Africa that by uh, involving local people in such challenges, uh, you give them hope, strength, and trust. We need to understand that by helping Africa with money donations alone is really like pissing in the wind. Uh, it works maybe for a moment, but it can add also to corruption. But by being there, building and working and dreaming for and with them uh, by using their own materials and also giving them challenges. I think that's what makes the big difference, I believe. And after all, it works on both sides. Uh, uh, even though it's as basic as just building a house to watch the sunset. A few years ago, in the city of Agadez, there, there were floods and some houses collapsed. And I was, I was told that people ran up to this house for the sunsets and uh, tried to prevent the, the house from collapsing. And then when they asked, what, why do you do that? And they said, that's the best thing we have. That was a great compliment, right? Uh, to live is to learn. Montaigne said that once. And if our last lives would last forever, uh, we would always have new sunsets to watch, but since our days are counted, each one is quite special. Uh, this is a house for my eight brothers, my African family, they have eight brothers, and so I built this octagonal shape house where everyone can go in, has his own entrance, and they can all meet at the center, in the center. And this is the tenth house. It's up uh, in a mountain about three hours south of Agadez in a place called Tigadit. Now, this house is uh, carved out of rock. It's, it's like a suit. It's tailored for me. Uh, it has an entrance. It has a, an exit, enough to be called a house. And I can sleep upright in it. As there are more and more projects planned in a town which is need about just about ev everything, uh, one project is to build a museum for dinosaurs, uh, which uh, some species are only found in the vicinity of Agadez, in the southern part, and uh, they're kept at the paleontological department at the university in Chicago. They need a place to return. And then there is, of course, a place to, for drinking tea. A tea is very important to the Tuaregs and to the Pearls. And then, uh, of course, a place to, f to play football. Uh, an important aspect of all these projects is some, uh, sometimes is, uh, is time. Time is sometimes more important than money. Just about all these projects were done and conceptualized in extremely short time. In Agadez, it only takes, took one morning to, to ask, to find, to buy, to plan, and even to start the project. The, it's interesting that Tuaregs, who sit maybe four hours still sipping tea, they say, what, what fast is, is great. I always found that fascinating. And, and, and the upcoming project in Shanghai just took one afternoon to, to do that. Uh, I, I really like that. And I, I think that sometimes we have to, as Europeans, we have to forget our roots and, uh, and, uh, and habits in order to fulfill our dreams. And one thing is really time. Uh, of course, like if you do too fast, you may run into problems, into problems and, but uh, too, if you have too great prudence, we can also lose time, I think. I'm trying to build a, a studio in Switzerland, and it's taking me now two years just to get the permit, because it's either 10 centimeters too high or too low, whatever, right? And if it goes on much longer, I won't, buy, I won't build it. It's just like too much.
Uh, last December, I was happily invited by a friend who has a gallery here in London to visit the island of Lamu. It was a beautiful stay there and working on a project on the, on the uh, nearby island of Manda. This is a model of a project, again in stainless steel. It's, uh, it measures six and a half meters. But this time it has an interior staircase going up. And uh, you can sit on top. There are three benches from which you can see the sun setting over the sky. And the material, which would be really fantastic, is uh, coral bricks. So you can see that all these uh, uh, impulse for all these projects originates in Africa. Though the land that these buildings uh, have been founded on is often away, parched and barren, uh, Agadez is a place of rich, fertile, and endless inspiration for me. The journey of creating these buildings has taken me far from its origins in Niger, but my African projects are, are far from finished. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Nat. I have one pressing question, something that uh, I realized when seeing your works the first time, and especially when I understood how you, you replicate them also as kind of sculptures in, from the land art kind of uh, setting in the, in the open and the gallery setting. And the materials that are so strikingly different, like from steel to you know, mud, what is it that you try to, what are you translating there, if, think, he, if there is any translation of materiality? Yeah, I think that somehow uh, it has maybe, I'm not so sure about it, but like, I think it has to do also with languages, okay? Like, I grew up speaking a language that no one's, I mean, I go 20, 20 kilometers this way, they speak German, 20 kilometers the, the other way, they speak Italian. So my language is spoken by so, such little people, so, such few people, that we are forced to learn languages. Uh, every, every farmer in the valley speaks four languages. So I think, like, if you have this, thing about languages, it can also translate into other things, and it could be the reason why I'm interested in different materials. <coughs> but the, the, my, my question, my idea is uh, you, actually I, I put it very simple, you cannot imagine redoing the land art pieces that you do in Agatha's, for instance, in the same material in a gallery setting. We're trying. I mean, it's going to be an exhibition in South America, in uh, Chile, the museum, in March, and we're trying to do that. I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly, still not sure how it's going to be done. Uh, if it's going to be a replica somehow, uh, we're still working on it. It's kind of like difficult, I think, to translate something that you do on site, uh, even talking about sometimes it's difficult, mm. right? And all these projects are so far away. They're in places that I don't know is going to ever see this place. In, in Patagonia, it's like uh, it, takes, it takes forever to reach there. Mm. Uh, uh, so again, I, I think that it's uh, very important also to have these places so far away, right? Again, by <laughs> Nietzsche once he said, like, if you love someone, he's, he can't be in front of your eyes, he has to be far away like the stars. So this is kind of like what I, I, uh, I like to do. I don't know exactly how uh, yet, how it's going to be, how I want to show this. If I, if I want to show with photographs, I'm sure it's going to be little. It's not going to be... Uh, and it's not going to be too much information. It can be also written. Uh, it could be music. Something that came up in the conversation uh, we had before between uh, Olafur and Karsten is informality. And this is also something that you sort of mentioned. And, uh, and, and it triggers me to go back to it as a 
as a, in the sense that there is this praise of the informal sector in many sort of underserved, under uh, economically less developed places. Whereas, I mean, most people who live in those areas experience informality as a plague. So can you say something about this praise that most, a lot of Europeans have in terms of informality, the fact that things can go very quickly, no order, no, you know, kind of... Uh, well, I mean, you know, uh, I put in also a lot of like, uh, a lot of concepts of my own. Uh, uh, you know, I stretch it quite far um, with the people working there. It's not something that uh, just comes out of the blue. Uh, <clears throat> one important thing, I think, uh, is just like, the tension, but also the conversation, um, and how fast that goes. I, I, again, I, I like that that very much. Um, I always learn so much. I mean, it's again, uh, I, uh, I can I can learn so much in in these countries uh, where uh, I don't do that anymore for example, in Europe, because maybe I know it so well, or in, in America. There, for me, it's always new. Somehow, every day is new. You've pushed every day into new projects. Uh, you know, I don't only do houses. I, I also I do sculptures in Africa. And also, for example, what is great about is like, um, how do you approach a project? You know, it's, again, completely different. You know, uh, I can tell you once about one project which was which was born there. I mean, I was sitting outside of of the town talking to a uh, a silversmith. The smiths are mo the most interesting people, I think, because like uh, I think because they are the lowest gas in a way, right? Because they, they work with fire. Is that in all Africa the same? At least in, in, in Niger it's like that. And I think in Mali too, right? Uh, so those are also the people who are more, more, more interesting. Because they can, they can talk about it. They have the gossip, right? Because the Tuaregs won't have that. They are too proud. Right? So like, just talking to these people, like, and he had like a ring, which was so beautiful. I said, with a sphere on top. I said, did you do this ring? And he said, yes. I thought, oh, what's, that's amazing that you can do something like that. What, can you do a big sphere like that? He said, no problem. It's always no problem, right? Exactly, well, it's just the opposite of here. Here, everything is a problem, right? You want to move the window up there, 20 centimeters, and after the first, second, third, the third uh, uh, answer, I'm sure, it's going to be problem. That's the problem. And then uh, you don't want to do it anymore, right? But in Africa, it's just the opposite. It's never a problem. And the reason why it's not a problem there is like I once asked my friends in, 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 uh, in, uh, in uh, Agadez. And the reason is because they know the problem. He said, we know the problem. We know what the problem is. You don't know. I mean, your cars are driving. You, you have enough food. And like, but we know what the problem is. So we don't use it, right? Um, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little no, bit no, lost. Please, it's interesting. You know, uh, so like, so this guy is able to make spheres in the size of a melon. I thought, like, that's fantastic, right? So we're sitting there on just outside, and uh, it was getting dark, and I was thinking, like, I want to put something in these spheres which are surrounding us. Do okay? you have an image of that? No, I know it. Yeah. <laughs> so like, uh, so there's sand, but if you put like in this nice, in in these nice spheres, you'd be put sand inside. It would not be that interesting, right? But you, I cannot put in the stars either. I cannot go inside the 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 the, the, the Tuareg uh, Smith cannot go inside either. But his camel is there, okay? And I said, okay, let's put the camel inside. He said, no problem. So we go the next day to the camel market. They eat, of course, camel meat. We buy the camel. We cut it up in many pieces. We sun-dry it, and we put the camel inside. And so now the camel goes to America, right? And it goes to an exhibition in New York, and it's called Camel. 
You don't see anything, right? Camel is inside, but the real camel is inside, right? So a child comes and says, that's no problem, right? In, in uh, Saint-Exupéry, the first drawing in, uh, in uh, what is it, Le Petit Prince, is like a boa having an elephant inside. And they all believe, but grown-ups don't, right? So that's a problem. Then uh, they come and say, well, why is it called camel? Well, the camel is inside. Yes, true, the camel is inside. And no one believes. You believe that dream, you mentioned dream earlier when you were introducing some of your work, that uh, dream is a, is a, is a fundamental, uh, how do you say, motto. Of, uh, of your work also. I, I, yes, I, I, I think so. Mm. But I also think that it's contagious. Actually, my question, I have to reformulate it. How does dream operate within your practice? It's uh, you, you don't know exactly. I mean, if you know, uh, mm. you would simply repeat itself. I mean, it's always this dream is there as it is not there. Mm. But it is contagious. You can, you can yeah, and, and then sometimes it bounces back from other people. So mm -hmm. it, it's this kind of like uh, uh, exchange, which is so great. And, uh, and also, what is also uh, interesting about uh, especially going to Africa is that it's always different. I mean, you have like a thing of, can ask, yeah, there are many, many stories, right? Uh, once I was making a, an, um, I was making a sculpture in, for a show in Milan, and I wanted to make a sculpture in ice. And I decided to do Berlusconi, kind of like arrogant, I'm not Italian, but like, I wanted to make Berlusconi in ice, and he would, he, would, uh, he would slowly disappear. And I thought like, okay, this is kind of arrogant, but like, and my friend is there, he's a Turek, and he says, why do you do that? Why do you do a sculpture in ice? I said, because I'm from the mountains. He said, yeah. But like why Berlusconi? He said, oh, because it's the first person that came to mind. And he said, he turned the whole thing around and said, not everyone, pas tout le monde en la chance de devenir de l'eau, not everyone has the big chance to turn into water. <laughs> so the whole thing went just 180%, and it happens all the time. That is so great. And I have a... a one last question uh, for you um, that also revolves around, around dream and but also the, about the materiality. Uh, you said before that you are, not a, you are not an architect. Not a trained architect, yeah. Uh, but you do architectural works. I mean, the, 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 the works that, that, that you do, especially the land art pieces and also everything that is in your, in your sculpture park in Saint uh, are architectural. So they are what, also architectural. Yeah, what's a, the, where, do you, where, where is the boundary for you between sculpting and architecture? Well, you is see, it? the gap is so close. Yeah. I mean, it's closing mm -hmm. up more and more. I mean, it's like... Mm -hmm. If you look at architecture today, I mean, I live in Beijing, and, and, and you see like uh, CCTV by Rem Kohlhaas, it's a sculpture, right? Uh, the bird's nest, that's a sculpture too. That even like the idea that once we had architecture, which we had a space in front of it to put a sculpture on top, like in New York, in the bank, it was like a place to put the du buffet or whatever, right? They don't, that's gone. Right? So, uh, uh, so the gap is so close, right? It's interesting that maybe uh, the architects are coming towards us sculptors. And there, we're not that many sculptors that go toward architecture. My, my neighbor in, in Beijing, Weiwei, he's, he's also he's kind of like also interested in that. Uh, the, the boundaries and also what holds all together are like, well, in my, in my, uh, my work, uh, and w which is maybe a bit atypical and which cannot be considered architecture, is uh, that some of these buildings, 
as I said before, also require a lot of skill. Like, uh, you know, you have to, like in the park in Saint, you walk over bridges, which like, you cannot come back, right? I mean, you're on your own. I kind actually of like didn't dare to walk over one sculpture. There is one sculpture, I have to tell that story very quickly, which is made of uh, goat heads sculpted in uh, skulls. skulls. And uh, you really have to overcome your, your, your sense of, or your fear of yeah, heights. Fear, yeah which I have, mm -hmm. to, to go over that, uh, I mean, it's also physically challenging. Yes. What's you also know? here? Yeah. You know, I mean, which uh, some of your maybe pieces yeah. in Agadez, I think, are like the one to look at the stars. I mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. also the other one. I mean, it's like, yeah. uh, but again, like in, in Africa, there's no problem, you know, like little kids walk up uh, 10 meters. Like they're like one-year-olds, right? They just walk up. Like, there's no fear of them too. For us, it's like we are always this fear. We put fear into the people all the time. Uh, One last thing that I want to tap on before opening to the floor is uh, what is this idea of having houses or works on every continent? I mean, what is your concept of universe then and universalism is it, uh, and is it, is it based on something like that or is it something that comes naturally or is it uh, a plan or just occasion and you know? Uh, it's something that grows out of an idea. Uh, the reason, I mean, again, I mean, if you travel a lot, right, like going around the world, uh, this is more at hand, I guess, no? Uh, the reason also is, you know, it, it boils down a lot of times to uh, where you come from and, and your youth, right? Yeah. I mean, in Saint, this village where I came, most people ma migrated. They went to Italy. They became patissiers in the 15th century and still live there, right? So this thing of, like, going around and seeing the world as one is is not that unusual. It's kind of interesting that in certain parts, I remember like when I first went to New York in the 70s and was talking to my neighbor who is a farmer and he asked me, where do you live? And I said, I live in New York. That's okay, right? But if you go to Italy and you say the same thing, you say, wow, you live in New York? That's amazing, you know? Uh, so this kind of like going away, uh, seeing the globe as one is, is, comes out of survival. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just curious. I just want, I just need, it's not a choice that I want to have this house separate. It's simply, I, I need to have it. I guess some of uh, our audience uh, is curious also and have maybe have more interesting questions than I have. Um, and we still have a little bit of time, actually. Gentlemen here, just say your name and uh, yeah, it's okay. Um, th it was a, an interesting presentation, and what you were saying about the smith in Africa, uh, I remember that in ancient Greek, uh, Greece as well, Ephaistos was not uh, the, the, the best uh, considered among the gods, and he was the god smith. <laughs> Anyway, and uh, well, there, there's something, it's clear that you're coming from somewhere and that you're, you're coming from a village, that you're very rooted. At the same time, you're kind of a nomad and you're building houses. So my question is, is there a difference between a house and a home? And uh, how would you define that? A house and a, and a home. home. A home. Good question. Um, uh, probably the difference is if you have a home, you live in it for more than three days, right? Uh, but some of my house, houses, I only live for one night, uh, or th two nights, but I keep them. It's like, it's kind of it's passing through. Uh, I think that's as simple as that. One second, you have to keep, yeah. I know that I, spend, I don't spend that much time in my home in Paris, 
but, but I still call it my home. So uh, I want it not only on a practical level, but mm. uh, if I would ask you, and obviously this little village in Switzerland uh, yeah. means a lot, if I would ask you what is home, yeah. what, what would you answer? Well, I mean, the Americans say where your heart is. <laughs> where your heart is. Uh, <laughs> I saw someone there in the back, two people, three. Maybe we start, yeah, Gabriela. Give to Peter, maybe. No, there. Give to Peter. Hi. My name is. Yes. My name is Peter Mabel. I'm from Botswana in Africa. <clears throat> First of all, I, I was really moved by your presentation. Um, your, <clears throat> your, your dreamy state, your approach is really touching. <clears throat> the architecture is amazing. This, your structures out of this world. Are you looking for a job? You want to <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> Surely not. Uh, well, <laughs> not a job, maybe a collaboration. <laughs> maybe a collaboration, but not a job. <laughs> but really, I... I, I must I, say, just quick, Peter is, is a, a designer, a very, I mean, exciting designer, and he's one of the, he's the designer who, um, whose work is... Uh, currently exhibited in the VIP rooms of the fair. He's very modest. No, to we say just supply some, some chairs and tables. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> but really, uh, for me, your architecture, I think that, and I'm not trying to, to be complimentary or anything like this, but your, your work, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> No, really. No, the no the structures are, are so amazing. Mm. They, they are. Uh, uh, these are just photographs. You know? No, no. These I mean, just, the, this is a, uh, even the, just a model. Yeah. This, the structures in uh, in Niger. I mean, the, the the tall structure with the ladder. I oh, mean, you like it's, that? Huh? It's just beautiful. Uh, the, mm. the the steps leading out of the geomet. Everything is just for me. Uh, you should have been an architect. Uh, you know, I well, mean, you uh, are an architect, but I'm just saying, it's really great. And but but my my, my I guess my question is, um, with all the work that you're doing, maybe it's a conclusion that I've reached. It's there seems to be a very deep ideological um, uh, desire to spread something across the world. Because what what part of the reason why I'm so moved is because <clears throat> in Africa, this is showing a different way of something coming from outside. Mm -hmm. Because development comes in so many forms, but there's a, a mentality of development that is skewed towards its, um, out of lack of a better word, destructive, Eurocentric mindset. Mm -hmm. And no offense, really. But mm -hmm. I, really, I really love the, the approach to, towards everything and, and the beauty and, and everything else. But if I had a question, I would say maybe, um, is this what you're trying to, to feel as though you are? I know you're not a missionary, as you said, but are you trying to spread an idea of living a certain way or, or being representative of, of it somehow? No, it's just egocentrism. You know, I just do this for myself. I, you know, it's like... Uh, and actually, I do very little. Even you, you think that this is a lot, but like... Uh, I mean, it's a simple approach. That's what hmm. Mm. Well, come and visit me when, on your way to yeah. where are you from? Cameroon? No, Botswana. 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 Botswana, in Southern Africa. Yes. Sorry. We, we'll take two. <laughs> we'll take two more. There was a gentleman there, and then one here. Uh, my name is Makonon Wodajena. I'm from Ethiopia. Uh, out of all these houses you have built around the world, where is this, where, which one is home? What is your heart? Well, here we go again, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to choose it now. So the home... It was not listening. <laughs> no, no, but it's, you know, let's ask two times. It's, it's, uh, I think that um, 
can I maybe rephrase a little bit? But like the house I like the most is the house towards the south side in Niger. Uh, for many reasons, of course, uh, because it has a function. Um, it's small, it only has like, you know, it's very small. It's only enough for a bed, a chair, and a table. It has no electricity, it has no running water, uh, it has nothing. It's extreme luxury. <laughs> there was a gentleman here, then. So, um, Bonaventure, uh, and I don't want to ask a question about home, uh, but I would like to make a, a, a simple, a small remark. Um, I was looking at a couple of pictures the other day, and it was about um, architecture in the north of Cameroon. And what I noticed was uh, the, the very strong influence of nature on architecture. So most mm -hmm. of the buildings were, were made out of models that ants had made. Yeah, yeah. So my question is, uh, I mean, you, 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 you propose this and you give this lecture with a very romantic idea of the sun and so on and so forth, but I would be even more interested about what you found there that might have influenced the architecture. You know, I mean, talking about objects, talking about, mm -hmm. uh, look at it, like the, the architecture you did with the brooms coming out. I mean, that is a very yeah. usual way of building Mm. In, in West Africa, in the Sahara, or whatever, you know. So I would like to, to, to hear a bit more about that. Maybe some ants that influence you, or, or some mm. or ants, or, or whatever, you know. I think it's or, or found, you know. I think it's cow-shaped. Cow-shaped, okay, that's yeah. interesting. Like how, how important that material is, it's amazing. You know, like it holds together. I mean, this big tower would not hold together if it would not be down. It would collapse. Because we don't use any cement, but if you don't put the amount of, you, you know, like sand is of course everywhere uh, in architects, like the clay is brought in by a truck with no windows, right? And sand is mixed. Uh, the cow dung that comes from the camel market, that is the most important ingredient. And then it's mixed with water by barefooted men their legs so thin, it's really great. One last one. Hi, um, it works. Hi, my name is Raquel and uh, my question is more about the community war because you say that uh, in Niger, uh, you got the, the community to build up the, the house. And I was wondering if it, that happened also in the, in the rest of the places where you have built houses or... Well, of course, you know, the only thing is like... Well, one thing is, of course, also money, right? I mean, um, their uh, community, this exchange uh, is much more easy because you find 55 workers in Switzerland. I could not afford 55 workers for not even an hour. Uh, and it would be always difficult to, to communicate. To Here in Africa, it's much easier. I don't know exactly how to, to, to respond. I'm just saying it is like... Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, they're just there. I don't have to go and again, I don't have to go and search for it. They're just arriving two hours later. I've just done my drawing. They're already coming. I show the drawing. They don't understand. So, so that's it. <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nat. Thank you, Carsten, who's also still here. Olafu disappeared, I think. Thank you very much for coming. And uh, I also want to thank you for your interest for this uh, actually quite uh, amazing success of the forum. There is one last panel tomorrow that is critical and important where we will look at uh, criticism and the validation through writing of artistic practice, which is uh, 
a panel between uh, Brandon Bell Roberts, who is the founder and chief editor of uh, Outside Africa, and uh, Simon Jami, co-founder of uh, Revue Noire and uh, Bonaventure Dixo Bang Dikung. He's from Cameroon. It's such a horrible, I can still not say his name properly, but chief editor and founder of Savvy Journal and doctor, as uh, Simon notices. So you're, you're welcome to, to, uh, to be back, and I think it will be very exciting, and uh, the host is uh, Mark Rappold from uh, Art Review. And uh, I also would like to thank uh, the entire staff of 154, especially the one I look, the one working for Forum, Gabriella, who is very discreet, but she is the manager of everything, and uh, the entire technique, technical staff helping us to do this here at uh, Somerset House. Thank you very much. Have a good